This episode is brought to you by Smart Food. What makes Smart Food so smart? It's Air Pop popcorn, tossed in white cheddar cheese, only 70 calories per cup, a notorious black bag of popcorn deliciousness. You are what you eat. Welcome to the Smart Club. Shop now at snacks.com. On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no. She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner. Doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. It's whenever you're listening to this, and you know what that means. You're listening to the WrestleWolf Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Damian Gibson, DMD. And, uh, yeah, we've got quite a bit to get through today. Uh, Dynamite Review uh, managed to um, score myself a spot in the media uh, call with Tony Khan. Yes, that Tony Khan this morning. So I'll talk you through uh, the conversation that a group of us had with him uh, at uh, 6 a.m. Melbourne time (laughs) uh, this morning, but that was great to be a part of. Uh, Some interesting uh, news coming out of that already. And um, and then we're going to do a quick preview of um, Full Gear, the uh, pay-per-view that's happening Saturday night stateside, Sunday afternoon Australian time. And uh, for the rest of you guys who listen in Europe and stuff, you'll have to work it out for yourself. I'm not a world clock. That's not why we're here, baby. All right, let's get into this. Brian Danielson versus Rocky Romero with the uh, with uh, Orange Cassidy and the best friends in tow. So, um, Orange Cassidy has been invited to join Chaos. Now... Uh, this, I've listened to a few podcasts already, and and I don't know if Dynamite did a great job of explaining it either, uh, which happens quite a bit with any New Japan crossover stuff. There's a lot of people who aren't watching um, New Japan. They're not watching Japanese wrestling for a couple of reasons. One, you've got to subscribe to another network, and that costs money. But two, the New Japan website is actually quite difficult to navigate, even once it's translated in to English. So let me try and explain some stuff to you. So the Rainmaker uh, is the leader of Chaos. He's invited Orange Cassidy into their faction, um, which probably means the Rainmaker is going to be coming to uh, America. And the... I mean, that that's amazing. I... I also, when I heard that, um, I thought that uh, Orange Cassidy might be going to New Japan um, to do some stuff with Okada. But uh, yeah, Karis, uh, Karis Chawa Okada. I'm not very good with Japanese names, so I'm just going to call him Okada 
or the Rainmaker. Um, he's a big deal in New Japan, and I would. Ass- <laughs> it would be interesting to see if he shows up at full gear, seeing they've only given it like a week's notice, um, and whether he would be taking on Brian Danielson, maybe. Who knows? Anyway, it was great to see Rocky Romero on this. So, oh, and Chaos are his faction, and they're kind of, um, they're like the uh, face faction that go up against Bullet Club a lot of the time. There's way more lore and history to it than that, and there's a lot of people who are, who have much better knowledge of, of Japanese wrestling than I do. But that's essentially that's all you need to know for this. Uh, so yeah, Orange Cassidy has been joined to uh, asked to join Chaos by Okada. That's a big deal. Ring of Honor handshake between these two, which is pretty cool as well. It was a great technical match, as you would expect. Um, I'm always a sucker for that. Um, yeah, it's sort of uh, swapped. You know, the the ascendancy in this match swapped between the the two wrestlers, and it was nice to see that. Uh, Rocky Ramirez has been around for a long time, doing a lot of stateside stuff for New Japan, and also uh, on the English commentary team for Japanese. Uh, for New Japan stuff. So if you've ever watched a English um, translation or English broadcast of New Japan stuff, you would have heard Rocky on that. And he's great. He loves the he loves the sport. He's um, but also really gifted and technical wrestler. So um, four stars for this. Not really telling much of a story, you know. Besides that, Danielson is great and can beat the best that New Japan has to offer as well. And teasing that Rainmaker versus BD match, which I'm pretty sure will be happening now, with Orange Cassidy involved in some uh, some shape or form. Although uh, there was a development with Orange Cassidy that was very disappointing. Pretty much the only disappointing thing on this Dynamite episode. Full stop. Uh, in a circle, jump by American tag team. Uh, the guys at What Culture talk about an invisible wall when promos happen, and I really like that as a as a tool to explain that you know a lot of the time when promos happen, it is you know there's a part of you watching it going, why don't these guys just come down and beat the shit out of these guys, you know? Um, and that's what happened here. Dan Lambert <laughs> in a circle jumped American tag team, uh, so were jumped by the American top team. Dan Lambert uh, power bombs Jerry. Well, you know, in inverted commas power bombs Jericho through a table puts Jericho in the walls of Jericho but then later on calls it a Boston crab because you fucking idiot marks don't know what that is and he does because he knows wrestling better than you even though he's an MMA guy um I took this to mean you know I know he was getting help and stuff but I, I sort of took this storytelling with Lambert in particular to be um you know, the, obviously he's a heel and he doesn't understand that he's not great at wrestling, but also that, like, don't count him out. You know, I mean, he's got four people in the ring who know what they're doing and he's not going to just be a complete pushover, but I would expect that match. Um, I would expect Lambert to maybe get some come up and see in the match. But what I did like about this, that there wasn't a 10, 15-minute promo uh, that had some sort of like veiled homophobia or misogyny in it. I know a lot of people tart and roll their eyes when I talk about that, but that's definitely been happening for for weeks. Uh, you know, anyone who's a serious commentator on wrestling has pointed that out. 
Um, unfortunately, I think when Jericho is doing promos where he is given a lot of creative freedom, we're going to get bits and pieces of that. It's just a hangover of his age. Uh, but look, you know, people seem to love it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what that says. Anyway, I liked this more than I've liked anything to do with this feud because it showed that these professional killers in MMA fighters, people who legitimately fight in UFC, can beat the shit out of people because we haven't, I mean, we've seen bits and pieces of that, but this is really what should have happened, you know, and it will make, you know, if the inner circle win, which we assume that they will, right, it makes that win even bigger. So I like this. Oh, four stars for the Brian Danielson, Rocky Romero match, by the way, and three stars for this promo. I thought it was an elevation in everything else. I mean, I gave zero stars last week, so it's a huge jump from <laughs> my thoughts last week to this week. I enjoyed this. If there had been more of this and less bullshit, um, you know, penis measuring uh, going on in the promo than um, in the promos, I might have been a lot more on board. I am slightly on board for this match now. Um, and look, you know, Jericho usually puts these. It, it will be a cinematic match of sorts, I assume, and Jericho usually puts these together or, and, and is quite good at them, so it'll be an entertaining match. But um, now that we've actually got a little bit of brutality from the MMA guys, I'm, I'm much more into it, you know? Uh, okay, TJ and Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, uh, Rebel and Jamie Hayter. I think trios might be a good move for the women's division. Um, as long as the matches are slightly longer. You, know, you don't want to keep women's matches at five minutes and then make them trios matches just to get more women on the show and then point and say, well, you know, we have up to 12 female competitors a, a show on. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff with women and AEW coming up, so I'll hold off on that. Uh, look, I'm sorry, but Anna Jay is is the weak link here. I heard some people, I heard some criticism towards Jamie Hayter. Mate, I don't know what match you're watching. If you think that Jamie Hayter, like, a, look, I'll call it out. It was uh, Sidgwick and, and Hamlet on What Culture who were saying that there are some people in AEW who need to go out and do the rounds for six to 12 months. I disagree with that. But I think if you're watching this match and thought it was Jamie Hayter and not Anna Jay, I'm not quite sure we were looking at the same thing. So maybe we weren't. Maybe we were looking at different te technical aspects. But what I find with Anna Jay, and I know that some people will complain they get a bee in my bonnet about certain people and just keep going after them, but it's because I keep seeing the same thing. So I can only, I can only comment on what's put in front of me every week. Anna Jay doesn't get to the spots on time. I don't believe her. Uh, that's the main thing. You know, like, it's about believability when you're watching a pro wrestling match. And you, if you can suspend your disbelief while someone's in the ring, great. And there are people in this match who do that really well. Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, to a lesser extent, Ty Conti. Anna Jay, not at all. Um... And I think, you know, Jamie Hayter is streaks ahead of Anna Jay. Uh, having said all that, 
Um, I liked Tony Barracking for Britt Baker uh, on commentary. I thought that was a, a nice bit of continuity. Uh, and Tate Conti getting the win here while sort of staring at Britt Baker raises the stakes a little bit. Um, and, you know, it allowed Britt to show that she's you know, worried about Tate Conti, which builds her up in all of our minds. I just thought this, this was solid. It was solid, but there's still people who are a part of the storyline that don't really need to be that are tying it down a little bit. Uh, but still, two and a half stars. For this, I thought it I thought it was solid. Uh, Anthony Bowens versus Jungle Boy. Max Caster's on fire as usual, teasing Jungle Boy about not being good on the mic and uh, referencing Anna Jay as his girlfriend. So there's still bits and pieces of like, um, you know, you leave <clears throat> you leave her with seven men, which you know it's just a little tongue in cheek thing, and I'm not you know outraged by it, but I just anyway. I don't know. It just there's a lot. Anyway, it was fine. It, look, I love Max Caster, and, and this was good. He's a heel. He's saying heelish things. Uh, Bowens is improving in the ring quite a bit each time we see him. Um, Jungle Boy submits Bowens in a snare trap and stands tall. Bobby Fish comes down and attacks Jungle Boy, which I've written down here, Undisputed Era tease, which gets addressed almost immediately. Uh yeah, overall, I thought this would have been a little same same if we didn't get the Bobby Fish twist at the end because he comes down, uh, knocks out Jungle Boy, and then Christian Luchasaurus come down for the save. I thought overall this was good. It was three stars. Uh, video package for Hangman and Kenny, brilliant, four stars. Um, super click promo now. Adam Cole introduces Bobby to the Young Bucks. Uh, Matt Jackson says, yeah, we know him, man. Which I heard criticism about Adam Cole introducing them to the Young Bucks, but then it's immediately addressed. So I think they did this on purpose to show up how dumb other booking is in other places. Um, and if you didn't get that, then I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I mean, that that's very much a Bucks elite dig. To so I. I I loved it. I thought it was, you know, it was like, oh, hey, here's Bobby Fish. They're like, yeah, we know Bobby Fish. Like, we like we know him really well. Like, wrestled it with him and against him in Ring of Honor. He was on, he was in your faction in WWE for fucking seven years. Um, yeah, liked it. Cole asked Bobby Fish to take care of Jungle, uh, Jungle Boy, Jungle, Jungle Boy on Rampage, uh, but leave a little bit left over for him on full gear. Uh, I loved all this. I thought it was great. I, like, uh, there's, you know, uh, Matt Jackson says in the promo, uh, it's undisputed. The era of el- the era right now is the era of the elite. This is all great. This is all great. It gives the the marks all the little tidbits that they want. Um, and I think, you know, they may genuinely be setting up undisputed era in AEW. Um, we'll see, but I think that's, I think that might be happening. Uh, I loved all of this four stars. Uh, Wheeler Yuta, who, I feel like I'm a bit harsh in my head about Wheeler Yuta because he's not Trent and they've had to basically sort of replace Trent. You know, it's like uh, when the Beatles came to Australia and Jimmy Nickel replaced Ringo for like a week and a half. I feel like that's what Wheeler Yuta here is in the best friends. You know, it's like, it's not his fault that he's not Ringo, but also he's not Ringo. So please go away. 
And I just have that kind of feeling every time he walks out to the rings. If he disappears from the best friends and goes off and does his own thing, I'm much more interested in that than him being this replacement for Trent, you know? Uh, Anyway, it doesn't really matter because he's up against Wardlow and um, Wardlow's going to kill him. Uh, JR, watch here. JR banging on uh, about tent poles and big guys. So... He says in this, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, tent poles and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of talk and no one knows what they're talking about. But uh, Wardlow would have to be one. Look at him. He's so big. It's like, it's such WD. It, it's interesting. Like, you know, I talk about this all the time. The people who get indo- indoctrinated and, and the people who don't. Um, and I think the people who get indoctrinated in WWE are, a bit, are just a bit thick. And I think that's what happened, you know, like, J.R. will constantly reference, it's like he's never quite, you know, I've read both of his books, and he constantly sort of talks about how uh, his parents, especially his father, never really respected pro wrestling. Even after all of the things that J.R.'s done in the industry and, you know, um, it just felt like it, the way he writes about it that he just never got that respect from his dad, and he, and he still to this day comes across as someone who is embarrassed to be a part of pro wrestling. And the less believable it is, the less inclined he is to enjoy it. And so, is now in a position where he just won't put it over. Like if he doesn't like, he just won't put it over. But talking to sir kayfabe about it today even matt who's a lot more generous with jr than i am is like oh man it's just it's so hard to listen to at the moment he just doesn't put anything over you know he's talking about jungle boy's beard he's talking about how wardlow is a pillar not the four other you know like essentially dismissing the four pillars and MJF, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen and 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 Sammy Guevara. You know, it's like, oh, well, it shouldn't be these little guys. It should be this big giant guy. And you're like, man, you're just so indoctrinated with the WWE way of thinking about things, which he had a big hand in coming up with. You know, like they've got to be sports people. Like if they're ex-football, is great. You know, like, and this is nothing to do with Wardley. I like Wardlow. I think Wardlow will be a big part of AEW's future and maybe he'll be part of the next four pillars that come up underneath, you know, the ones that we have at the moment. But you don't need to bury other people in when you're trying to put other people over. And this is the same guy who goes on his podcast and is constantly like, oh, these fucking internet dickheads don't know anything. They're constantly talking about People being buried and pushed. Everyone's got to get their push. Like, dude, that's how it fucking works. If you listen to anyone, I was on a fucking media call with Tony Khan this morning. He's using terms like push, you know? So I don't quite understand where he sits in the wrestling landscape anymore. He feels like an old man who is well out of his depth and doesn't, he, you know, looks at what's in front of him and, and doesn't like it. And as someone who has had to manage people in the past, the worst thing that you can have in a team is someone who just has a fucking negative attitude towards whatever your end goal is. And this, this JR is a, is a classic case of that. You know, and if it isn't cut out, it can spread. It can be cancerous. 
Um, so yeah, I, I just, you know, it, this was a breakout moment for Wardlow. I, I really thought it was, I really thought the crowd were like, Oh, holy shit. Like he got to see, you know, four power bombs in a row destroyed Yuta. Um, it felt like a coming out segment for him, but again, there's this bitter taste in the mouth because fucking JR's banging on about tent poles. It just, you know, again, can't wait for Rampage. <laughs> as far as the commentary is concerned, I just die for Rampage every week. Uh, 3.5 stars for the match. There's a whole bunch of shit that goes on between the Matt Hardy office and, and Orange Cassidy, the best friends here. I'm not even going to bother explaining it to you because it's just... Every time I think Orange Cassidy is getting out, he gets pulled back in. No one wants to see this feud. Uh, please stop booking it. Please stop booking Matt Hardy. Zero stars. Zero stars for the beatdown. Three and a half stars for Wardlow's coming out party. Meanwhile, Punk and Eddie uh, Kingston are in the back uh, the backyard in the car park, wanting to kill each other. I just thought this was really solid build. You get to see that like they're coming to the arena and they've bumped into each other in the car park, or you know they've seen each other in the car park, or Eddie's sort seeing Punk out, or whatever the case may be. They don't explain that. They don't need to. They just show, hey, look, these guys saw each other and they tried to kill each other again. <laughs> uh, and for that, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. It's just good storytelling, keeping the story simmering along brilliant uh dante martin and leo rush versus matt seidel and lee moriarty now if even three weeks ago four weeks ago you told me that i would really be into this match and then about to give this match the score that i will or the rating that i will at the end of it i I wouldn't have believed you but i just thought the chain wrestling in this match was phenomenal and they're mixed in with the amount of high flying that everybody in this match could do i was actually quite impressed by lee moriarty holding his own with the other three people in this ring considering all of their athletic abilities um leo rush is repaying uh, tony khan on the the media call this morning actually spoke at length about leo rush and his faith in him and i just thought in this match he paid like repaid it already um I, I had a love-hate relationship with Leo Rush in WWE, and I think it was be- he was booked for you to hate him. Um, but I thought the the work that he did with with Bobby Lashley probably gave um, the idea of MVP coming in later on. Um, but I just thought he did great work there, and I, I think he's going to be a really great pickup for AEW. Interesting to see where this story goes. I think eventually it'll be a Rio, Leo Rush versus. Um, Dante Martin story, but um, I think as a tag team, maybe you know they could they could be really interesting to watch. Um, you know, and having said that, Leo Rush and Tony Khan have made me interested in wrestlers that I just wasn't in, that invested in before. So I'm now a bit more invested in Matt Seidel. I'm I've seen what Dante Martin can do. Maybe I'm late to the party. I'll put my hand up on that, but. And even Lee Moriarty, you know, it's like you look into him, you see that he's wrestled in GCW, you see he's wrestled in Ring of Honor, um, and you can see that he can hold his own here as well. All great stuff. Uh, four and a half stars for this match. I, I, I mean, there's plenty of good stuff on this match. Um, I would definitely, if you haven't watched it, I would go and watch it on Fight or wherever you're watching your wrestling because uh, this was just phenomenal stuff. Um, all right, let's try and pump through the rest of this pretty quickly because we've got a 
bit to get through. Miro Promo says uh, this match with Brian Danielson, it's nothing personal. Um, Brian Danielson's just in the way of him seeing his wife. Um, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Miro's promo is brilliant. I think Brian Danielson might lose to Miro. I think this might be the shock on the uh, full gear card. Um, maybe Okada, the Rainmaker, gets involved somehow. I don't. I don't know. I hope not, because I hope it's a clean finish. If you're gonna, but I mean, also Brian Danielson has just been wrestling such great matches. I mean, it's it shows that it's been great booking because I don't know who's going to win, uh, and I would be happy with either result. Um, yeah, who knows, man? Like, uh, there's a part of me that's like, I think it would be Brian Danielson can lose and not lose any momentum. The only thing that we'll get is some trolls going like, "AW don't know how to book," but it makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they would have had to have made late changing plans for Miro to go into the title picture against Hangman Page. Well, let's say Hangman Page does beat Kenny Omega. It makes more sense for Miro to go up against Hang Hanger, right? Anyway, we'll see. It, it's going to be amazing. Uh, four and a half stars for this promo as well. Just brilliant stuff. Uh, Dax Harwood versus Pack. Hard-hitting mat wrestling. Really enjoyed this. Uh, both get opened up. Wasn't, you know, wasn't crazy, but still, you know, some some crimson masking happening. Uh, Pack hit a, a shotgun drop kick from the top rope that Dax sold amazingly well. I genuinely thought he was dead for a second. Uh, Dax then hits a brain buster, which was a nice little, um, you know, shout out to the four horsemen. I think, and, you know, I'm... Actually, I'll, I'll save that for the end of, the, of this match. Uh, Dax then hits a brain buster. We went through that. Dux, uh, Dax hits a, uh, a Liger bomb. Pack kicks out. That was the point where I was totally hooked into this match. Uh, Pack gets Dax in a, in a brutalizer and gets the submission immediately, which is cool. It's, it's cool to see submission moves being given, um, you know, like given the respect that they deserve in AEW. Uh, lights go dark, Black, Andrade, and FTR are standing tall. They beat down Pack, Lucha Bros, and Cody come out. Cody gets a huge pop. Cody gets a huge pop. I- <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, cool. Um, you know, I mean, look, I, I don't hate Cody, but I, I just... I don't know. Maybe it's testament to the fact that people have been watching such poor booking for such a long time that you can have weird, sort of mediocre at times, body all over booking, all over the place booking like Cody's in AEW, and people will still accept it because it's just so much better than what they've been dealing with previously, you know? Um, Yeah, there's a few things in here. JR, again, calling uh, Pac a veteran when he's only 35 years old, does my head in. Uh, He's calling everybody a fucking veteran. It's like, no, we're the young company. AEW is the young company. Stop calling people veterans. It makes people think of 60-year-olds. Stop it. Um, And also, I think, here's a crazy notion. Uh, 
Malachi Black, Andrade, and FTR. Is there a chance that they could be the Four Horsemen? Hear me out. Andrade is Ric Flair's son-in-law, essentially. Yes, I know they're not actually married, Charlotte and Andrade, but it might as well be. You follow them on Instagram. They're always hanging out. Him and Rick, blah, 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 blah. Um, he could be the Ric Flair character. You've got uh, Malachi as like the big brutalizer, heavy, and then FTR is essentially Arn and Tully. And then you could have Tully as the manager. I think that might be where it's going, man. Which I'd be really into. Anyway, this match was amazing. The beatdown and and stuff uh, kind of, yeah, into that as well. Um, Four stars. Really enjoyed it. MJF and Darby video promo. Really enjoyed this as well. More of the same of what we've had the last few weeks, but I really enjoyed it. Three stars. And oh man, here we go. We've got the contract signing. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Uh, two men, two men sit down across from each other and talk about the last year. Hangman tells us that when Kenny beat Hanger last time, he said, "Well done, Hanger. I'm proud of you." Um, and Hangman says, "That was a lie. You lied to me about that. You lied to me about so many things. But I realize now that the lies, they just come from fear, because you didn't want me to have a fire lit under me. You didn't want." the best that Hangman Page has got to come after you because you were afraid of me. Kenny then says that the cowboy shit that everybody loves so much is because of him, not Hanger, and that every time he would get down, because these people would never see him behind the stages, every time he'd get down and, and self-doubt himself and and have be full of insecurity, it was Kenny Omega that put him back on, on the horse, not, not himself. Uh, Hangman signs the contract and says doesn't matter what you think anymore. I'm not listening to what you've got to say because I'm signing this contract and I'm beating you at full gear. Uh, and then Kenny's like, okay, cool, man. Let's just shake hands like like gentlemen and just uh, let's kill it at the pay-per-view. They shake hands and then all of a sudden a cameraman hits Hanger with a camera, drops the camera, takes his beanie and fake beard off and it's Don Callis, <laughs> the invisible hand. Don Callis cuts a short promo and says the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making people think that he didn't exist. And that's what Don Callis has done for the last six weeks. He's been stuck in his basement, <laughs> making sure that people thought that he would disappear. But he's back and he'll be at Kenny's ringside at full gear. Uh, they pull Hanger up and he's now bleeding. There's a crimson mask. And Kenny Omega dips his fucking finger into the blood and then signs the full gear contract in the blood of Hangman Page. Oh my God, five stars. Just when you think that this story couldn't get any better, they they cut a promo like this. Uh, man, the, <laughs> the stadium for full gear is going to be absolutely rocking. The roof will come off it when Hangman Page comes to the ring. I can't wait to see how they do it. Just another thing, a really quick little thing that they did that I really liked was... Tony Khan expelling the Elite and Dark Order from the building, uh, which allowed for a long-form promo, but it also allowed for Don Callis to to sneak in and and do this sneak attack. Just great. All of it was great. Five stars. Loved it. I think this is the first five-star rating I've given 
um, since the return of the star rating, and I think it's thoroughly deserved. Um, great work to everybody involved. Fantastic. All right, let's quickly get onto the media call that I was a part of with Tony Khan this morning. Uh, there was a question about uh, Bray Wyatt coming to AEW. Tony Khan said that he hasn't spoken to him about a contract at all. Last time he saw him was at Chris Jericho's birthday party, which was last year. I don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> and that they get along, but there's been no talk of him coming to AEW. I think this was uh, set up. I think this question was set up, or maybe not the question was set up, but the answer is definitely a setup. Um, because I can't believe that. I mean, maybe, maybe, look, put it this way. If Bray Wyatt, um, doesn't show up on Sunday, then, or Wyndham, uh, doesn't show up on Sunday, then uh, Tony was telling the truth, but I can't believe that he hasn't shown up anywhere and hasn't signed for anyone. Um, I mean, there was some mention in the media call today that he's doing some movie stuff, uh, which maybe he is, um, but I I think we might see him show up on Sunday uh, or Saturday for our northern neighbours. Uh, the New Japan relationship with AEW was spoken about and uh, Tony you know, has sort of addressed this in the past, but it was like, yeah, look, we definitely have a relationship with New Japan and it's improving all the time. Uh, admitted that when he first started that New Japan were very frosty towards him um, and basically thought that he was going to try and sign all of their American talent and then not allow them to use them, but then has realised over the last... You know, New Japan have realised over the last two years that he was he's not going to do that and they've learned to trust him and now have a really great relationship and uh, he expects that to grow even more. Um, and then, you know, on Dynamite we saw essentially Okada's going to come and, and wrestle. So, and and the amount of Japanese wrestlers who have shown up on AEW have grown and grown over the last six months as well. So that that was interesting. He also had a swipe at the WWE rumors that he basically, well, he did come out and say, WWE put rumors out there saying that they had a relationship with New Japan, which he thought was hilarious because he had, you know, and then came out and did that promo. But that all of that was true. It wasn't a you know, it wasn't a work, it was a shoot, brother, brother, that AEW do have a relationship with New Japan and if New Japan had signed any sort of deal with WWE, it was news to him because he knew, you know, that he had storylines lined up for the next 12 months with New Japan wrestlers. So, can't trust WWE, what a surprise. Uh, there will be shows on the West Coast of America as of next year that they haven't done that as yet because they were trying to fulfill the show's that they had booked on the East Coast once things opened back up. And he said that he expects one of the four pay-per-views to be in LA uh, and also uh, looking to have um, uh, all, is it all out in Las Vegas. Should have taken a note of that seeing I was on the media call. But anyway, there'll be a, two of the four pay-per-views will be on the West Coast next year. And then the news that sort of come out of this media call that I was a part of was the women's division. There were two separate questions about the women's division. The first one that was, <clears throat> first question was asked was, um, to be fair, she didn't really get to ask the question. And it was, you know, being in the room, I was a little bit like, oh, Jesus. 
So she, uh, I wish I knew the woman's name. I didn't take a note of the other journalist's name, so I'm sorry. But the, this woman who was uh, from a wrestling podcast, I think, was like, oh, I just wanted to ask you about the wrestling division. And he jumped in straight away. Oh, and uh, no, she was like, uh, you know, NWA, we've seen other promotions do all female shows and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, in regards to AEW's women's division, do you plan to do more? And he basically cut her off and was like, look, I just want to um, point out that there were a lot of women on that show that I paid for them to be on there because they're AEW talent. He got very defensive. I mean, the point that he made was valid. It was like, okay, well, NWA's put on this Empower show, but there were, you know, AEW talent on there. Um, so, and he felt like NWA didn't give them any credit for that, <clears throat> which was like, mm, okay, cool. That is you know, if that's if you're saying that's what the case is, that's fine. It just probably could have handled, probably could have just handled the question with a little more tact. It, it just, I saw someone uh, say tone deaf was the the way that this question was handled. I don't know if it, I don't think of it being in the room. It didn't come across as tone deaf. It came across as someone who has had to answer this question over and over again is is getting uh, a little bit sick of it. I would say though the way that you can stop the question coming up is probably by booking the women a little bit more <laughs> i mean um there was a second question in regards to the women's division and he handled that with a plum and talked about the tbs title and that he has big plans for that tournament and um you know, he thinks that he's put his best female performers in that and expects that title to be the equivalent of the TNT title, which is a very important title. And that, that that's all fine. And I agree with him. I think what people, you know, and both of these questions were asked by women. Um, and it's obviously something that's on female fans' minds. And, I, you know, I don't think Tony was being a dick or that he has some sort of, <clears throat> vendetta against female performers. I mean, he keeps signing them and, you know, I mean, that's obviously not the case. But I think uh, people probably want to see a bit more, and it's sort of surprising to even say this, but uh, have the AEW female division booked a bit more like the WWE division where we're seeing more main events, uh, more storylines, and the match is given more time. Um it's difficult to do when you've only got three hours of TV a week, but you just got to make it happen. You just have to. Um, but I, me, genuinely, I think that they have been doing, I think Tony has been doing more uh, in the last six months than he has done previously. But, you know, when Matt was on the on the podcast and, and we've, we've done it ourselves, there's not enough female wrestling on the show. There just isn't. Um, and that may be to do with how green the roster is as well. I can understand that. So, yeah, it was a bit awkward in the room, uh, to to be sure. But uh, I think both, I think both the questions were valid, and the answers had some validity as well. I think the questions are like, "Hey, man, when are we going to see more female wrestling? <laughs> like, just in terms of length, you know." of matches and stuff. And I, Tony got very defensive about that. And I think, you know, he just needs to be, and an AEW just needs to be a bit more transparent. Just like, look, you know, this is the reasons why I know he's answered the question previously, but 
the question is going to keep coming up if nothing changes. Um, but he wasn't... Um, yeah, I, I don't think he was tone deaf and I don't think he was, you know, demonstrative or anything like that. Um, you know, I was in the room. I, I heard the conversation. I just think it was... It's an awkward conversation to have and it was dealt with fairly well the second time, the first time, I think maybe talking over the top of a woman to explain why <laughs> she, you know, that the question was probably not wrong, but, you know, that like she hadn't done enough research or something along those lines. I mean, that was kind of the vibe that came across is not great. Um, I think if he had his time over again, he probably would have handled that quite differently. And did had had a different female journalist come in and ask a question. And he handled it a lot better the second time around. So, um, yeah. So that was essentially everything that was covered. I mean, there was some talk of Eddie Kingston, how how much he's improved, and Ricky Starks, and how much faith he has in both of them. And Leo Rush got a big mention as well. Um, and it was just yeah, it was a very nice call to be a part of. And I, again, you know, I thank Tony and um, AW for the opportunity. All right. Uh, we're at the 40-minute mark, so let's try and get through this preview quickly so we can all go home. Uh, this, The card I've got here in front of me is in no particular order, so let's just um, go through it. Uh, so we've got Nyla Rose and Jamie Haydar versus Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa. I assume something will happen on Rampage that will <laughs> explain to us why that match is happening. Um, I don't know. I assume that'll probably be a screwy finish of some description. Uh, Sheeta and Rosa will feud maybe afterwards. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, do, I don't know what to make of that match at all. Um, next up we've got Dr. Britt Baker with Rebel and Jamie Hayter versus Tay Conti who will be with Anna Jay Britt Baker will win this um, I feel like the build has been okay to this but it hasn't been superb and so therefore I'm not overly invested in the match but I think on the day it will be a fun match to, to check out uh, the Inner Circle versus uh, Men of the Year well, Inner Circle will get the, the win here. This is in a Minneapolis street fight, as I say, so it'll be a bit of a cinematic match. I expect it to be in the middle of the card, uh, and it'll be a bit of fun. Uh, Lucha Brothers uh, versus FTR for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Um, I think FTR might win this and go on to be double champions. Um, yeah. <laughs> it'll be a really good match in the ring that's for sure CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston ooh baby um man I don't know I don't know I mean I'm gonna go with CM Punk as the winner um but I imagine that maybe these guys will continue to feud afterwards. I'm not sure how that will go down in ring. Um, yeah, maybe CM Punk puts Eddie to sleep and then it's, you know, you never actually tap me out. Something along those lines. 
Christian Cage and Jurassic Express versus the Super Click. I expect in a Falls Count Anywhere match, this will be a, a brutal knock them down all over the place match. I expect the Super Click to win just because Adam Cole was involved. Uh, we might get some Bobby Fish shenanigans in here as well. Pack and Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. Uh, man, uh, Black and El Idolo better win. Otherwise, I'm going to be very upset. Um, or it could be Pack and Cody Rhodes and then we just... It's the end of the Cody verse. Uh, which ones have I missed out on here? Oh, Darby Allen versus MJF. Hmm. I mean, MJF hasn't lost. And I think they might try and push MJF towards the title picture soon as well. So I'm going to go with MJF here. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Miro. As I was saying before, it's been booked so well that I could see that maybe Miro will win. But I'm going to go with Brian Danielson uh, just because it's Brian Danielson. Um. And then we've also, the I mean, the main event will be Kenny Omega with Don Callis versus Hangman Page. And Hangman Page will finally overcome all of his demons and Kenny Omega to be the AEW World's Heavyweight Champion. Man, I cannot wait for this card. I mean, there isn't really, I mean, the Nyla Rose, Jamie Hayter, Sheeta, Rosa match is a bit weird, but I don't know, there's still Rampage to go, so we, we might get some storyline there. Besides that, every other match on this card, I'm into. Even the Cody Rhodes one, which is a bit like, wow. Um, I'm still into it. Um, you know, even Inner Circle and, and uh, American Top Team and Men of the Year, they've got me into. So, yeah, I'm going to a watching party with a uh, sometime contributor to my podcast, Paul, at his place, and there'll be a bunch of us watching it. So I'm going to try and get back to the studio and record a podcast uh, review of full gear and of course the rampage um review will be out before that as well um yeah just as far as the nwa show goes uh i'm again they're doing nwa stuff by showing pay-per-views instead of power um i'm not cancelled like i'm not saying i'm never doing nwa again but unless they're doing a proper power episode i'm just not going to review it because i don't have the time um and if billy corgan's going to put you know, uh, replays essentially up instead of a power. I'm not going to give it a proper review. Um, and impact, I just don't have the time at the moment. I've had exams and all that sort of thing, but I do want to get back into the world of impact. Um, hopefully, I mean, even if it's delayed, I'll try and do one. I'll try and do one for you this week, guys. Um, cause I really love watching impact. I think it's, it's a great show. And, um, yeah, they've got a whole bunch of new talent in there and I want to check them out. So I'll do that for you guys as well. Anyway, look, this has been a bumper, another bumper episode. Uh, again, thanks to Tony Khan and the AEW guys for allowing me on the media call this morning. Um, hopefully I'm allowed on the second one after bringing up the women's <laughs> division. And uh, I'm sure I will be. And uh, look, until next time, brother dudes and dudettes, brother friends, may your wrestling be good wrestling and good night.